Well, praise God. Well, if you give me a few minutes today, I don't want to, I don't have a, well, I've got a lot to say all the time because, you know, God's gifted me with a big mouth, but, but um, I've got a few things to say, and, and I want to, to let you guys know that we serve a good God. And one of the things that I, I've really been looking at and praying at and I'm seeing in the body of Christ all over the place is that people are not really understanding who they are in Christ and the authority and the power and all the stuff that they have that entails having a relationship with Jesus. And, and I've been wondering about that. I say, Lord, why is that? Well, I think that what we're dealing with now on this planet, and, and one thing that people are dealing with in their hearts is that I don't know that it's hard to understand a loving God if you don't understand love. If you don't understand his love, do you know God is love? That's the Bible. Do you know that it's his, it's his very character? It's his very being. That's what it is. And, and I'm going to talk about some of the names of God today. And it is who he is. And that does not change. It does not change. You can't change who he is. You can try. You could try to bend his arm to make him do it your way. But it's not going to work. Because, see, many times, many, many people are going through difficult things, and we don't sometimes, when we're going through difficulties, remember the goodness of God. Even in the midst of our circumstances, we serve a good God. We do. And, and I, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You know, one thing that bothers me, like you, you've got insurance companies, they've got this act of God clause. You know, tree fell on my car, and they ever say, well, that's an act of God. We'll cover it. Wait a second not an act of God. God isn't up there saying, I don't like the color of his car. Drop a tree on it. Boom. No. There's good, there's evil in this world. We serve a good God. And yes, horrible things happen to people. But in the middle of, we still serve a good God because it's who he is. And so let me just start with this. Here's one of the things that is when we tend, if we tend to remember God's goodness, when things are going good, God is so good. When things are going bad, where are you? Maybe you have never had that conversation with the Lord. I have. <laughs> you know, like, God, what's going on? You know? And then I've even gone as far, and I'm almost ashamed to admit this kind of stuff. I'm like, God, do you know who I am? I serve you. What's the deal? I'm supposed to be the chosen one. A little bit of self-righteousness there. Maybe I'm the only, God might be quiet in here. Either I'm stepping on toes or you're saying, yeah, I, I've seen it in you all along. <laughs> but look at this. Here's the goodness of God in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's pretty good. Let me see. If somebody walked in here with a gun right now and Tom said, nope. It, trust me, Tom would do this. He'd say, nope, shoot me, not the pastor. Right, Tom? Okay, just getting confirmation. <laughs> we would celebrate him. What a hero. What a guy. Just, but Christ died for people that deserved death, hell, and the grave. He died for us when we were still sinners. Wouldn't acknowledge him, didn't acknowledge him. Nailed him to the cross. He's saying, I'm dying for you. That's pretty good. That's a good God. And then it says right here, 
Listen to this in Psalms 136, verse 1. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Wait a second. When I got mad and I threw down that dish in anger, God still loves me? Yeah. Do you know you can't outrun his, his love? No matter what you do, no matter how bad you are, he loves you. See, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. When you realize his goodness, I don't, I don't understand why anybody wanted to do it. But see, that's the thing. People don't get, understand his love and his goodness. They don't understand that. So then they think that, well, you know, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I was one of these kids that if, if I just, it, to have any kind of self-esteem or, or feel good about myself, I had to be the best at whatever I did. For me, it was athletics in school. I worked my brains out. I mean, I was a kid that was shoveling the driveway and playing basketball in the wintertime because I had to shoot so many shots because I had to achieve because if you achieve, then you get recognition. If you got recognition, that made you someone. And I'll tell you what, when I got born again, it was a hard transition for me to realize, finally, I mean, I had pastors that just kept telling me and telling me, you don't have to do anything for his love. You just have to be. You just have to be. I'm like, it didn't compute to me for a long time because that is so contrary to what the world says. If you do this, then you can get that. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can... Now, the Bible says works without faith is dead, but it's not about the works. It's about the faith. And he loves you right where you're at. Well, you don't know where I've been and you don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. He's going to love you right where you are at. He's going to. And so he died for our sins. So then I want to, I want to give you... Do a little word study, and I'm going to do my best teaching today that I can, although it's not my greatest gift. So some of my teachers that are sitting here, spiritual teachers, be patient. Be patient. The word Jehovah, it means two things, depending on how you want it. It says, I am that I am. That's the definition. But there's another definition that I like, and we're going to apply it today. It's, I am the one who is. I am the one who is, Jehovah. All right, so let's go to some of the names of God. It is his very essence. It's who he is now. He can't change who he is. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah meaning I am the one who is your righteousness. What, what, what are you saying? Do you know when we try to be righteous, that's called self-righteousness? And that, all that does is lead to pride. It's his righteousness. It's him that makes us righteous. I don't have to go around trying to be righteous. I am righteous because of him. And God got to make sure we give the glory to him because, listen, when I first got saved, I had some great men of God and women of God in my life that really helped me a lot. They, they corrected me, but they did it in love and this and that because when I got born again, I thought God got a pretty good deal. Man. God, you know what? Yeah, I got this God thing, man. I'm, I'm a born-again believer. I love Jesus Christ. God, you got a good thing with you got me. Yeah. Now I understand God was probably going up there, Jesus, what are we going to do with him? Send the Holy Spirit. He needs it bad. <laughs> Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin... To be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. 
in him. So go home today, look in the mirror, and say, you are righteous because of him. Nothing that I've done or haven't done, did, didn't do, because of him. And if we can get a hold of understanding that, then all of a sudden you'll start seeing yourself the way God wants to, you to be seen. And, and you'll be understand that you're more than, you're not less than, no matter what society tries to tell you you are. You see, I'm going to give you an example. The goodness of God. Do you know the Israelites, when they got delivered out of Egypt, they forgot the goodness of God? They forgot the goodness of God. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and I'm going I'm to do some messages on that in the future. Do you realize that Egypt to the promised land was 240 miles? And if there was like a million Jews at that time, a million Israelites, and I read this thing, if you lined them all up, that's 150 miles worth of people. So they're less than 100 miles from the promised land. But they wandered around for 40 years. Why? They forgot the goodness of God. He's a good God. And there's a whole bunch of stuff packed in that whole wilderness journey that we'll unpack sometime. And so God, so he's, he's our righteousness. And it says he also delivers. He's a deliverer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some of this because I want to get to the names of God. Jehovah, remember, I am the one who is. Jehovah Shammah, I am the one who is. That means, Shammah means the Lord who is present. So you could translate that, I am the one who is present. Now, present in what? Let's go to the scripture verses. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in the times of trouble. He cares for those who trust him. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. It's Jehovah, he, he is that help. Where does our help come from? It comes from him. It comes from him. So many people are bound up and tied up in, in knots because they're trying to do it all themselves. Sometimes, you know, I've got this saying, and it's not mine originally, but at the end of God, or at the end of yourself, is the beginning of God. When you finally get to the end of what you can do, God will take over. Will you let him? It says he is present, very present in the time of trouble. He is a provider. Jehovah Jireh. We sing about it. We talk about it. We know that. I am the, and so Jehovah, I am the one who is your provider. It's Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Now, I want you to understand that Paul was writing this to the Philippians. And however you put the emphasis, it can, it can be a very arrogant thing if you say it the wrong way. And my God, my God will supply for your needs according to his riches and glory. It's my God. Because, you know, me and him are tight and you're just peons. No, it's your God. What he was saying, he said, listen, my God, the God that I know, the God that I know, he'll supply for, you, uh, supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And again, it's about him. Any of you, don't raise your hands. Any of you ever been stressed out about finances? 
You don't have to raise your hands. I know every one of you in here have been at times in life. Every one of you. He is our provider. Do you know, here's the one thing that I have learned. He will provide. What we tend to do is we tend to decide how we think he should provide for us. If it doesn't happen the way we think he thinks it sh- the way we think it should, then we're all stressed out about it. You know, I'm going to give you an example. I had a friend of mine, this was years ago, decided he was called to the ministry. I'm called to the traveling ministry. I said, well, all right, great, praise God, you know. Well, you know. He said, so I'm going to quit my job. I'm going home. God's going to provide, and God's going to bring people, and I'm going to be traveling. So three months goes by. Nothing happens. So what does he have to do? He has to go get two jobs to pay for his mortgages backed up. I'm like, you know, I want to tell you something. God has given you wisdom too. And so my advice to that would have been, listen, God is your provider. Sometimes he provides, wait for it, through a job. Wow. Sometimes he provides through a job that you may not like. That's the Bible, too. You don't work, you don't eat. Better not preach that too much in the United States today. I'll get rocks thrown at me. But, But I want you to think about that for a second. Do you know that I have worked jobs that I disliked very much, but it was God's provision? My wife and I were blessed. She got pregnant with, our, with my first child, our son, and so excited. And, and we had already decided that, you know, mom was going to stay home. And she was teaching, man. She was making good money. And, but I, I wanted mom to be at home because dad being at home with the kid, that, that, that just wasn't going to work. <laughs> it would have been bad for everybody concerned. So we decided that. And, and I was, you know, I, I had a teaching degree and but there wasn't a job available in our area, so I, I took a job that I wasn't necessarily fond of. I had to work hard. I worked with a chainsaw all day. We, we built log homes, and it was, we, it was in 1991, and that was the day that we had 53 straight days of below zero weather. And I'm working out there. We got to keep the chainsaws in the truck to keep the oil warm so they'd even run. Yeah, that time, it was fun, yeah. <laughs> Say, thank you, God, for this job. <laughs> you know? But do you know it was his provision for us at that time? And do you know, do you know how to understand? Because if that who is God, his name is the very essence of who he is, our provider, then you can count on him providing. It may not be the way you want him to or think he should, but he will provide. He will. And he has always provided for us. So he provides. And it says, my God shall supply for all your needs according to his riches and glory. In Matthew 6.31, it says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. All these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know how many of you, right now, I believe, one of the biggest major attacks that we're having in the world, is obviously on our mind and our thoughts. The enemy is using everything he can to steal your peace. If he can get your peace, he's got your joy. If my thing is, is if you could buy peace, I've never seen a blue light special in Walmart that says buying peace here, two for one sale. <laughs> Haven't seen that. But do you know 
that God is peace. And let me tell you why. Because it says, remember, Jehovah, that word Jehovah, I am the one who is shalom. I am the one who is shalom. Then that word shalom means the Lord is peace. Can you find that peace in the middle of trials? And You've got to go to him to get it. You can try to work it out yourself. And, and listen, because I'm telling you things, don't just go home, sit down on your couch, and say, all right, God, you've got to do all this. No, he may require you to do a few things. You know, go get a job. You know, maybe you need to speak up. Maybe you need to, I'm going to say this in church, shut up. Whatever God has you to do. But you can find your peace. Do you know one thing that has helped me in my life is, is my wife. Now, we were at a marriage seminar, and this was years ago. And, you know, at every marriage seminar, they say, how many people are here, blah, 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 been, how many have been married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? There was, they kept going. There was a couple there that had been married 60 years. 60 years! And I think we had only been married two or three years at that time, and I, I looked at her and I thought, 60 years. <laughs> now, I love my wife, and we've got, a beautiful, we've got a beautiful marriage, but I'm thinking, 60 years. And so I said, I've got to talk to this guy. So I go over, and you know, he's an older gentleman, and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? He says, sure. I said, what's your secret? I said, ah, 60 years. How do you do it? Two words, he says. So what are they? Yes, dear. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. I don't know if I like that. <clears throat> but the, the point is, is that he is our peace, and we can find peace in your marriage, in your relationships, in, in, in life, on your job. You can find that peace because if God's name is Jehovah, the Lord is your peace, if that's who he is, then that's what we have. And I'm, and I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere with this because the next one's a big one. It says right here in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To Also you were called one body and be thankful. And this is where my wife has helped me over the years so much because I know that it's hard to believe. I know some of you probably think, you know, Pastor, he's up there, man. He walks on water. But I've been practicing on puddles. My feet are still getting wet, so I'm not ready to start with the, try the Great Lakes yet. But one day, you know, if Peter did it, so can I. Anyway, that's, that's my own battle. Um, but I, I know it's hard for you to believe that I may have a few frustrated days in my life. And my wife, when I'm in the middle of one of my, they call them Ray Harves. It's my dad's name and my grandfather's name together. One of my little fits. Or my daughter says, quit chainsawing, Dad. Because I'm... <laughs> I don't know why I get up here to tell you people all this stuff. Because <laughs> you're going to walk away saying, what's he doing up there? Listen, do you know what? Every person here, every person out there, myself included, we're broken people. We're a mess. But Jeremy Horn has come to this place, and he said it a couple of different times. 
And so I'm just taking it. But to Christ, you're a beautiful mess, and he's going to clean that mess up and make you whole. So don't keep confessing, I'm a mess, 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 I'm a mess. No. No, I am whole in Christ. I have peace in Christ. I am not broken in Christ. I am free in Christ. That needs to be our confession. That's what you need to focus on, because that's who you really are. That's who you really are. And Christ is in the fixing the broken place. If you are broken today, guess what? You're in the right place. Well, because I talk to people all the time and say, well, just let me get it together and I'm going to come to your church. Forget getting it together. Just come to the church. Let the Holy Spirit clean you up. We're going to love you. Right where you're at because that's where Christ will meet you. And be thankful. So my wife tells me all the time, when you're struggling with finding peace, stop and start being thankful for what God has blessed you with. Because all of a sudden, man, you start being thankful. Lord, I am thankful for my children. Lord, I am thankful that I found a woman that would even have me. Lord, I am thankful for this. Lord, I am thankful for that. All of a sudden, your heart starts to change. And all of a sudden, your peace, you'll find your peace when you start being thankful for the things God's given you. All right, look, I'm circling the airfield, so the landings, landing strip's in sight. That doesn't really mean anything, but I like saying it. <clears throat> now, here's a, here's a big one. Again, Jehovah, remember this now. I am the one who is. I am the one who is Rapha, your healer. Not only does he heal physically, Psalms 147.3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I submit to you today what we are dealing with. We are dealing with a generation of young people that have broken hearts. And listen, because, you know, because I'm involved with young people, you know, I, I don't teach anymore, but, I, but I, I still coach. I see it every day, the brokenness. Maybe they don't have a mom, a dad, or, or anybody, anywhere. And I'm going to tell you something. When you see a young man, a strong young man, that you just put an arm around him and say, listen, I believe in you, and they break down and just weep, there's something wrong in our society. But guess what? The church, the body of Christ, we are the church. We have the answer and we need to be filling that void for them. We need to be their moms and dads spiritually. You know what it is? There's, I don't know about you. I get the greatest kick out of that. When I see a young, a young person, when they succeed and all of a sudden the light goes on, I just cry. Because it's like that, for me, that's just it. And do you know that because of who we are in Christ, we have the ability, the power, and the authority to make a difference in somebody's life. You are changing a life. It could be arm around the shoulder. It could be whatever it is. I know. So we're on our way home on the bus, and we, we stop at this, this rest stop where, to use the bathroom and stuff. I'm in the bathroom, and this little guy comes in, and he says, well, where are you guys coming from? Well, I said, we're on our way back from Kingsford, the UP finals and track. And, and he says, oh, I used to run track. I said, oh, really? And he says, yeah, I was in eighth grade. I ran a 9.800. And I thought, 9.800? Were you on the Olympic track? What? 
9.8's like world class in eighth grade. I thought, well, all right, he was a little confused, you know. And he says, yeah, and, and I used to do this and that and the other, and we got talking, and he says, but yeah, and then I, I said, well, did you pursue that? No, I gave that up for cage fighting. He said, all right. So, you know, he's a little rough around there. But the thing of it is, is here's a gentleman start a conversation with me, and I'm like, all right, Lord, what, what, why am I encountering this? What, what is it you want me to say and do? But here was a guy that was telling a complete stranger all of these things that he had accomplished. And what was he looking for? Yes. So I said, you know what, man? That is awesome. But I'm going to tell you something. No matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, there's a God in heaven that loves you, and he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And I want you to know that. And I want you to know, and I got his name, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. He says, well, you know what? I appreciate that. That was it. And people are saying, well, you should have prayed, pray us every Stop yourself. Get your religious, religious cap off and get your kingdom cap on and understand sowing and reaping. I planted a seed and now it's up to God. Because that, I'll just tell you, it just bugs me when people do that. Well, did you pray for him? Did, yeah, I could have probably led him to Christ and he might have said a prayer and I'd have said, ooh, look at me, ding, 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 gold star, let's go. Do you have love? Listen, I'm just planting that seed and trusting God that somebody else will come and water it. Because all of it's up to God anyway, right? Up to the Lord. He reigns. Our healer. He, so we've got a generation of broken hearts. He's going to bind up their wounds through us. Look at this in Matthew 10. 8, he's talking to the disciples. Are you a disciple? This is yes in 72 languages. You're a disciple. He was talking to the disciples, Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, disciple. Well, how do I do that exactly? What's the formula? There is no formula. You love God. You love people. You put your hands on them and trust God with it. That's what it says. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with that in a minute. Now, there, obviously, there is some more, there's more to it than that. And, and when I say there's more to it to that, there's a lot more that you can learn that are keys that opens doors and gives you depth of understanding and things like that. So, but if you know nothing more than the Bible says, lay my hands on the sick and they'll recover, I'll lay my hands on the sick. But I want to tell you something. When the Bible talks about laying hands on the sick, it does not say that they may be healed immediately. It doesn't say they won't. It doesn't say that. Your job is to do the laying on of hands and believe in God. You're up to God. I've seen God do miracles before my very eyes. I've seen it with my own two eyeballs. Instantly healed. Then I've seen people that have struggled, 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 struggled. Well, God doesn't work. No, he, he's still doing the healing. It may take some time for it to manifest. Don't quit believing for it. Because I know what the Word of God says, and I believe the Word of God is true. And so, all right, here's what it says. Disciple. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. All of that is Jehovah Rapha. I am the one who is the healer. Is anyone you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And we have those here. And let them pray over you, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And in Mark 16, and they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will have hands in the sick, and they will recover. 
Now, again, I want to clarify that serpents there, they'll take up serpents. They weren't talking about snakes. They're talking in a spiritual sense. They're talking about demons. Study it for yourself. That's what they're talking about. Okay? That means you have authority in the spiritual realm over, those, over that realm, right? I was in a store. And one more story, and I'm going to wind it up. I was, in a, I was in a convenience store four or five years ago. And there was a guy in there, and it was early in the morning. And you could tell he'd been up all night um, enjoying other spirits. <clears throat> and I came in, dressed in my suit, and he says, Hey! Are you some kind of preacher or what? I said, yeah. Well, what church do you go to? And I told him. He was in Cedar. I said, this one. He says, oh. So what kind of church is it? I said, it's a demon chasing on fire for God Bible thumping church. He says, oh, one of them. He says, do you handle them there, snakes? And I says, only the dead ones. He's like, really? I said, no. Anyway. Because, you know, our kind of church, that's, you know, because, you know, everybody's seen the documentary of the church in the mountains of Tennessee, you know, and I'm like, come on. But then they say, they'll pick up serpents. Well, that's not what they meant. It's not what that meant. It's, it's, it's a demonic thing they're talking about. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. All right? And so I'm going to, I'm going to skip a few of these. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Your shepherd. He'll care for you. He'll take care of you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. My whole point is this, and I am closing, really. My whole point is this, is if you understand who he is and the love that he has and the goodness that he is, it, you cannot separate his goodness from him. You can't. It's who he is. And I'll tell you, when you truly experience his goodness, Sin is not a big deal anymore because it's like, I don't care about sin. I want his goodness. So the sin goes away. Instead of trying to get rid of sin, you just don't sin. If that makes sense. Now, I know well, all sinners have come fall short of the glory of God. I get that. Yes, we make mistakes. That's what repentance is for. But understand his goodness. It is so good. It's like, for me, when I got born again, there were so many good things that I was just like... I don't even, that stuff has no hold on me. I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I just want this goodness. Sometimes it's a struggle for people. When we're dealing with addictions, and it's a fight. That doesn't mean that God loves them any less or that he's, that he's not good to them as well. It's only our religious mindsets that do that. He is our shepherd. He's the one that guides us, takes care of us. Shears you when you need it. Not sometimes always a pleasant thing when God brings correction to your life. And then he is, he is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Always. He was, he is, and he will be. You can't outrun that. God is good. We understand his goodness. Then you can understand who you are in him. Watch out world. So go home today. Look in the mirror. It's okay. He's just praising God. It's all right, Amir. We love you, buddy. Uncle Scout loves you.
And they are my family, by the way. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I, was lo- I just love him here. Yes, he's, he's always there. He's always there. When you make a mistake, guess what? He's there. When you try to walk away from him, he's standing right there. When you're in the mud hole, he's standing there. So today, I just suggest you just turn to him. Go home today after this. Look in the mirror and say, you are the righteousness of Christ. And my daddy is bigger than the enemy. Because I always think of, you know, I, I never really did this, but, I, you know, when I, I had a neighborhood full of kids, so we were at it all the time. I'll never forget one day, we were, some kids were fighting over a baseball bat or something. I'm going to tell my daddy. The other kid said, go ahead, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. And so I have this vision of us standing behind the Lord. And there's the enemy on that side. And the Lord's standing there looking, you know, kind of at his leg going, hmm. <laughs> Giving the devil raspberries. Because my, my God is bigger. And if he that is in us, all right, is greater. If, if those that he is in us, how's that go? Those Thank you. That's what I was trying to say, really. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That's pretty good. That's a good God. That's a powerful God. We are powerful people in Christ. God is good. See, and we say that God is good all the time. All the time God is good. But do you really believe it? I just wrecked my, yeah, I didn't do this. This is, no. If I wrecked my truck, you'd have to pray me off the floor. I know you would. Because you know how long I believed God for that truck. Listen, I paid my dues. I drove that Ford Fiesta little blue thing, beep, beep, for three years. I digress. That has nothing to do with anything. That's a personal thing, but I'm so blessed to have my truck. Listen, we serve a good God. And I want you to know he loves you today. He's not against you. Oh, I made some mistakes. Yeah, okay, okay. He's not surprised. That's why he sent Jesus. All you got to do is turn to him because you are the righteousness of Christ. You're the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Through his righteousness. Through his thing, his pain, his suffering. So all you have to do Get up in the morning and be. That's it. And be obedient to him. And you watch and see. You cannot separate those things that I talked about because it is his character. It is who he is. Always. Amen? All right. Well, let me pray so you guys go out and get joy here. One summer day in the Upper Peninsula. <laughs> I'm not confessing that. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together in your house. Lord, I pray that people catch the heart of this message, that you are so good and that you love us so much. You sent your son to die, but because of who you are and because of the righteousness of it that's in us through you, we, are all, we have all these things. We have access to all these things because it's your very character. It's who you are. It's your very being.
You are good. And we give you praise and glory and honor today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. All right, well, just a reminder, I will be out of town next Sunday. Um, I will be in North Carolina visiting my father. Um, now listen, come to church. Just come the pastor's not here doesn't mean you're excused. If you're coming for me, you're wrong already. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you. It's who you are. It's who you are. Hey, I can sing.